welcome to Estradial Illusions. And uh, we're back in sort of the chrono- chronology game of uh, there's an episode that was supposed to be our first of 2020. And then because of the uh, urgency of crisis, putting the crisis in crisis on infinite earth, this episode is actually going to be the first episode of 2020. So we're back to uh, airing episodes out of order, but uh, that's part of the fun of podcasting. Very excited to be back. Uh, programming note, I will be at, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably know that I will be at Sundance next week and the uh, week after. And we have a lot of exciting, um, I'm calling them Sundance Spotlight episodes. They're going to be a bit shorter in length and uh, probably about 20 minutes each. And they're going to be uh, with some of the filmmakers, cinematographers, audio people. There's a lot of moving pieces. I don't want to announce anybody because... Uh, these PR people are tend to be a bit flaky and uh, we'll just save some of that until uh, afterward. And we know who needs to be shamed and whatnot. So uh, on that note, as I said, uh, we are doing crisis on infinite earths and we have a comic book expert. He said he was not an expert, but I'm just going <laughs> to uh, an- announce him as such. We have Ed Carroll here to talk to us, talk with us about uh this really really exciting cw crossover uh ed you want to tell us a little about yourself hi uh thanks for having me on um my name as you said ed carroll you can find me on twitter ed revelator 34 um i am a uh i work at a small nonprofit in cleveland ohio but i previously worked in journalism um used to write for a bunch of different outlets including fan-sided a few other places, and I am a pretty big DC Comics fan, particularly The Flash. Um, follow Flash and Legends pretty regularly. Uh, sorry, Supergirl, Arrow, and Batwoman fans. I don't follow those shows quite as closely. It's funny you mentioned that. I had, uh, when I was at the AT&T store earlier getting a phone, it was like taking a while, and I was talking to the person, uh, I was talking to the sales rep about uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, because... Uh, I guess it was probably like two hours ago. And she said, oh, is that with Superwoman? And I had to explain to her that Superwoman is actually from Earth 2 and is a bad guy. <laughs> and she like very quickly regretted asking that because I was then explaining to her like, no, this like this was this was something that was done to condense the universes. And now we have CW, Earth CW and all of this stuff. And she was rolling her eyes. Really, she become the away living embodiment of the uh, Homer slinking into the uh, hedge meme. Oh yes, yes, that was uh that was definitely her. In fact, they held the door for me uh as I was leaving. So they're probably really <laughs> happy to be happy to be rid of me, but Crisis, I I really I came away from the uh five-part special which started last month and I we'll talk about this a little later, but I know that you weren't uh in love with the idea that they they split up the uh five episodes, but the more as as this crossover went on i I really started when you say things like this is the most ambitious crossover tv's ever attempted it makes you think of that uh infinity war meme that went around back in 2018 Mm -hmm. about uh disney was saying like infinity war is the most ambitious crossover ever and then people would just kind of show ridiculous things of various uh crossovers but i honestly like as a scholar of television there's been no thing that just like Going back from the Batman 1960s show to Smallville to the 90s Flash series to 
Birds of Prey, a show that only got 13 episodes. This this crossover really... Comic crossovers, uh, the, the sky's the limit. You can include the original Crisis had 400 characters. These are, are, are dealing with so many moving pieces and to, to put all of these people in the crossover, I it, it really is. It's the most ambitious crossover TV, especially network TV, has ever done. I... I- Completely agree with you. I mean, uh, there might be some other instances in TV history, you know, maybe the Law and Order uh, franchise has done something that's a bit crazier. But at least when you look at the scope and without getting into spoilers and just, you know, what they were able to touch on and pull from. Oh, no, we're doing spoilers. Oh, okay. Spoiler away. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I, I think depending on how you feel about kevin conroy's uh batman um the only one that didn't seem to be touched at all was uh batman beyond and you can even make an argument that he sort of uh brought that one into there um it it was just incredible how they sort of touched everything yeah and and so many people it's funny honestly you could really go through so many aspects of of the what they what they touched on and, and then realized that there was so much of this other stuff that you missed. Kevin Con this this crossover took a guy who's been voicing this character my entire life. And Kevin like I, I get annoyed uh, Jason O'Mara, that's his name, right? The other the the guy who also does Batman. Yeah. Um I, I I've seen him in some shows like Life on Mars or uh that really bad Moonlight show where he was the vampire. Uh I have nothing against him, but you you see a Batman show that doesn't have Kevin Conroy and it's just a bummer. And to see him as kingdom come Superman, we had, well, not kingdom come Batman, Superman, kingdom come Batman. We did, we did have kingdom come Superman. Um, <laughs> he, he really was kingdom come Batman. He was Scrooge. He was all pissed off. He was the Bruce Wayne that kingdom come depicted a mm-hmm. guy who's, uh, dealt with all of the, uh, I, you know, he, he looks like a guy who really wished that he used guns his entire life because his body's broken and he's pissed off and Gotham still looks pretty bad. Yeah. And um, I forgot to mention before, the only other one that it didn't touch and I'm glad it didn't was it seemed to be Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Um, I'm glad for that. Yeah. I wanted that one kind of just to always remain its own thing. But it, it it's incredible that we got to see Conroy play live action Batman after, I mean, what is it? Two decades at least, maybe more of voicing yeah. the character. A little bit, uh, closer to three. I don't think it's yeah. fully completed three, but uh, I think ninety four was the animated series. Well, like, and and that that series in particular was something that uh, even as a child I could understand was uh, up in a way uh, in in terms of a subject matter and a maturity well beyond all of the stuff that would air on the WB Kids or mm-hmm. uh, all of those those afternoon lineups and uh i i i I do agree with you with uh christopher nolan it may have been nice to have seen alfred looking on at uh michael kane's alfred looking on at like oliver queen just sort of sitting enjoying a glass of wine in italy in in that in the afterlife but uh it's probably for the best that they didn't do that we did get a uh 
I, my jaw dropped because I'd been waiting and the fourth episode, the Arrow episode was not really, well, the fourth and the fifth episode were really not too big into uh, the big reveals. Those were mostly in the first three episodes. Mm -hmm. But when Ezra Miller showed up, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. That And even uh, my partner Tara, who likes comic books, but is not as into them as me, she was like, oh my God, that's so cool. We finally, uh, we finally got the DCEU. There's kind of this artificial boundary between, okay, we've got the stuff that we do on the CW, and then we've got this film series. We're not going to cross over them, but I think that mentality kind of eroded after a while, given the fact that the DCU has really... Uh, cratered. The DCEU, yeah. It is cratered. It's a disaster. And uh, it... it, it to have Ezra Miller, I think for a while it didn't seem like we were even going to get a Flash movie with him. I mean, and honestly, I'm still skeptical. I will believe that movie's coming out when, like, I'm in the theater sitting and, like, it's about to start at this point. It's true. I mean, it's it, it seems... I, I mean, uh, Ezra Miller, uh, for a while, was kind of more well-known for a uh, smaller movie. Well, I don't think he's really well-known for any... Uh, well, he was the in Flash. the perks of being a wallflower, and yeah. um, he he's recently been in the uh, Fantastic Beasts uh, movies, which aren't very oh, great, but right. he's been pretty prominent in them. Yeah, this this show is not uh, not the biggest fan of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable, but uh, yeah, I really I, I guess when when Ezra Miller was first cast there were a group of people who said, why not just use Grant Gustin? I mean, that kid is the really, uh, an awesome Barry Allen. I really, I really like him. And I agree. And I probably I, echoed that sentiment at one point um, before, you know, seeing Ezra Miller as Flash. He brought a good energy to the, the Justice League is, is a it's the one movie where I pulled out my vape pen in the movie. I was really drunk because uh, I expected it to be terrible. And it was, um, I pulled out my vape pen in the theater and was just smoking pot in the theater. Nobody <laughs> cared. Nobody cared. Uh, um, I, I, yeah. I mean, that sounds like way better. Uh, it wasn't though. That's the sad part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's that. Uh, he definitely put his own spin on the character compared to how Grant Gustin does. Uh, you know, they're distinct, but it, it's, it's good. And the scene was a lot of fun seeing the two of them just kind of be nerdy weirdos together. Right, because they are. I mean, that's kind of uh, the 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 Arrowverse shows have kind of each staked out their own claim. Although, in a lot of ways, Legends of Tomorrow, the aesthetic that it was going for in the first season, uh, didn't really make a lot of sense. And then they kind of acted as most most things do when nobody's watching. They get zanier and weirder, and uh, it evolved into this really beautiful show that yeah. uh, is definitely my 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 favorite of the five. And I guess you know you you brought up that you've uh, only watched uh, a couple of them: The Flash and Legends. Uh, the ones that I don't watch regularly right now, um, I watch The Flash and Arrow on Netflix, but uh, Legends and Batwoman are the two that I keep up with. And yet, when it comes to these crossovers, they really do make it easy for people to figure out what's going on, while also including a lot of Easter eggs, like uh, Leonard Snart. Uh, Oh, was, that was uh, the voice of the wave rider. Yeah, that that yeah, was so. Great. I mean, that's something that a casual fan may not recognize, and yet if you do follow them, the more the more that you follow, I, I think the bigger the reward. 
Yeah, and it's really a credit to them that they are able to bring in new viewers. I, I want to say there was only a couple times, and uh, I hate to say it because I have watched some Supergirl, but there was a couple times in Supergirl where I was like, wait, who's that character supposed to be? Um, but otherwise, they did a really good job of at least giving you some sense of who this character is supposed to be in relation to these heroes. So, you know, uh, you know or, or that's their role there. Um, it was a little weird to me how some characters, I understand that the characters stay sort of with their native shows, but uh, like, you know, in the Legends one, we didn't end up seeing Constantine again, even though we saw him earlier in the crossover. And that was a little odd to me. Um, there were some other instances like, you know, where was Cisco here? He, he seemed to be there for most of the crossover. And maybe we'll get some answers to that in the, you know, coming shows after. Um, but it, it it didn't always make sense to me who, which characters were that. The weirdest thing too, was that Matt Ryan was credited for the legends episode and he wasn't in it. Yeah. I, I, Cause I was, he's a series regular. And I noticed that they did that. They credited series regulars. Like I want to say Rick Gonzalez didn't actually appear in the arrow episode. If I remember correctly, but he was in the legends one a bunch, but I know he was credited in both episodes. Yeah. And it felt like in the main cast, there were a couple of people, uh, I, well, this was also the series, uh, the season premiere for Legends, so uh, I imagine there's going to be a couple new characters, but there were some names in the cast that I didn't recognize mm -hmm. that uh, I guess they'll explain, but um, it wasn't a very Legend. In fact, the Legends episode felt in a lot of ways more like it, it, it had more of the Supergirl characters than the Supergirl uh, episode did, which was uh, pretty light on their people, um, especially uh, Nia, who is played by Nicole Maines. Uh, for our transgender listeners um she wasn't she she appeared in like maybe a split second of the she supergirl like, episode and then yeah one scene in supergirl and then she was in a bit more in the legends episode which was nice yeah i uh i i mean i guess i like that they uh seem to go with what works i mean that's the, the big the really impressive thing about how much they stuffed into the episodes was the fact that you're dealing with five main casts plus yeah, the supporting characters. Mm -hmm. And then uh, along the way, these are 40 minute episodes. They're not super stuffed. It's not like they're on a streaming service where if you wanted to have like an hour and 20 minute episode, you could. And Netflix uh, loves to do that, which uh, more often than not, I think really doesn't work, but uh, that doesn't stop them from trying it. I mean, that's actually yeah. not, not to get too topic, but that's been part of the beauty of the Mandalorian where they're just like, okay, we could have two-hour episodes. We'll give you 35 minutes. Here you go. Yeah. Here's no filler. Uh, Legends has, uh, they have the guidelines of network television, and yet they managed to do a lot with, uh, in these episodes, they just flew by. I was really, really enjoying it. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. It, it was a little weird, though. There were some times where, you know, for as stuffed as they are, and it's really hard to complain about, you know, any sort of, Things that were missing are really just nitpicky, but for stuff as they are, they had some very odd pacing issues. And there were times where it just seemed like they spent forever on certain scenes or topics that didn't really deserve them. Like, I don't understand why in the Legends episode after I, I get that, you know, they wanted to kind of search and see if they could find Ali again. But it sort of seemed like, you know, come on, you should realize he's dead. Let's move on. There's other stuff to do here. 
Yeah, I felt like the first three episodes of the crossover were a lot stronger than the the second two. And I mean, that's kind of generally speaking in these big team ups, especially if you look at like Avengers Endgame and Infinity War as like a, a complete set. Infinity War is bound to be a lot more fun. Uh, Crisis got to do it. It felt like they were having more fun, which mm. makes sense in some ways. But also, I mean, the the imminent doom we lost all those billions of people in the first episode and they were still having seemingly a lot of fun and introducing the black lightning crossover. He was still a lot of fun, despite the fact that at the time he had lost his family. So they, they balanced the stakes and also the enjoyment of these long awaited moments, uh, pretty well. But I, I, I do think that there was, uh, it did kind of seem as though they were shuffling their feet a bit, which as an audience, you don't really want to see because, you're sitting there saying, well, in this time they could have, you know, they could have squeezed this person in or that person in and that would have, you know, probably worked a lot better. Yeah. And, you know, they it, admittedly crisis has been something the Arrowverse has teased explicitly, at least since the start of the flash, you know, the pilot. Um, but like last year during the Elseworlds crossover, they seemed to really imply that Psycho Pirate was going to play a role as he did in the comics. Um, he was essentially the anti-Mario's right-hand man in the comics for a lot of crisis, uh, mostly right. unwillingly because he's insane. And, you know, I saw, I, I forget who the executive was, but they said, you know, we realized as we were writing that we were only including Psycho Pirate because he was part of the comics. But it's like, well, that just seems like bad planning then because he's wasted so much time back in Elseworlds setting that up. And, I don't quite understand that, but at the same time, I'm nitpicking there. I mean, it's a minor villain that I'm complaining didn't make it into the series that was pretty much wildly entertaining from start to finish, despite the pacing issues. So are you like similarly upset that Adam Warlock wasn't in Infinity War? <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that they handled the mic. I reread the comic in uh, anticipation of, of, of the series. And I mean, I like the monitor, but he's, he's kind of this like patriarchal figure that probably hasn't aged as well as um, uh, other, other elements of what people enjoy about the series. And then in, in this show, he seemed a lot more like he seemed a lot more empathetic in the show. Relatable. I, maybe that was the fact that they were on it. The Wave Rider versus his uh, golden ship. Whose name I'm uh, blanking on at the moment. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I did like his portrayal a lot better in this show than in the comics. Um, one thing I did notice was a bit odd and maybe it was just more because we hadn't seen too much of the Animator yet, but it seemed like, um, and I forgive me if I mispronounce the actor's name, but, uh, LaMonica Garrett, who plays the monitor, um, did a way better job acting the monitor. And then when it went to the anti-monitor, I feel like it was almost rushing his lines. It was hard to really take him seriously, at least in terms of what he was saying. there. Yeah. I mean, that whole, <laughs> I get that they had to do it, and yet at the same time, it's a lot of it's a lot of that. It was a lot of that character all at once to have him be a good guy, and then he's a bad guy. And I mean, I it felt a little bit, especially at that at the end of the fourth episode, like um, things were maybe. I, I I guess I wish they'd done it uh, a little bit different. 
Yeah. Um, I was actually kind of, I was hoping they were sort of done with the monitor. Um, it's a bit of a big contrast to the comics where the comics, there's sort of no explanation of the aftermath. That's all left to, you know, the individual series after crisis. There's about like two pages after they defeat the monitor in crisis. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, arrows first is going to go their own way and show some of this aftermath. Um, I was a little disappointed that it turned out to be a bit of a false herring there at the end and that, you know, oh, no, wait, we really have to still beat him after all. Yeah, it it in a lot of ways when he grew, it kind of was like a magic wand make my monster grow thing from the from Power Rangers. Yeah. And it, it, I, I mean, it, that is sort of from the comics, but at the same time, it, it's sort of ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, the beauty, I think the beauty of these crossovers is the character interaction, not necessarily the the people running around firing uh, laser blasts at, at, at each other uh, in the, I'm pretty sure it was the fourth episode when they're all uh, in, in the, when the Paragons are running. I, first of all, I didn't really understand what the scientist was there to contribute. He doesn't have any powers. Yeah. Uh, he was shown, it, it was, he was shown to be hitting. Um, not to mention that uh that pit that they were in uh i know that vancouver has has limited options uh for filming but it seemed kind of like the pit that they had used in um there was a scene where uh i think it's in season four of arrow where oliver has joined the league of assassins and diggle and uh laurel and uh speedy and uh malcolm merlin go to rescue him i think that was like probably the same pit and it's also the probably i've seen that pit in a lot of episodes of stargate too which was also filmed in vancouver yeah it's so, probably uh, the same one maybe maybe that's a little nitpick i mean it's 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 kind of like when you're watching power rangers and they're in a quarry or a, <laughs> a, a electrical plant but i'm like oh look pit they're end of the world and they've yeah. stumbled upon this same this same pit i'm glad you brought up the scientist uh ryan Choi. Because he he was something I found a little odd about the whole thing that they brought him into the mix here. Um, if you don't know, in the comics, he eventually becomes the Atom, and he's specifically a protege of Ray Palmer. And I get that, you know, with Brandon Roth exiting Legends later this season, um, that, you know, they might want to replace the Atom. But they didn't really seem to work towards that at all. I mean, they had, you know, some scenes together during the Legends episode, which was fun. By the way, I would listen, I would watch like, you know, a whole episode basically of the Legends cracking crossover jokes that I absolutely love. Oh my God, that was great. Um, but yeah, I. Yeah, Nate, Nate, Nate had a oh good one. Oh God, that was awesome. Um, about how they commit felonies basically. <laughs> um, but I don't know why they would bring Ryan Choi in at this point, uh, story wise at least. It did not seem to have much of an impact. Do you think it would have made more sense to put Cisco in that role? You had mentioned that he wasn't really in the crossover and you know, scientists. It, it it felt like that maybe they could have kept the Paragons a bit more uh, in the family in that way. Yeah, I mean, you could have gone with Cisco. Um, I know she left Arrow for this season, but maybe you convinced uh, the actor who played uh, Felicity Smoke to come back. She might have worked in that role. Emily Bett Rickards or yes, something. Thank you. Yeah. Um, heck, you could have even, you know, found a way to put Lex in that role and kept somebody else in the Paragon of Truths part. Um, I, I just don't understand. I mean, 
you know, the actor did a nice job and he did bring a bit of humanity in showing, you know, this is how it's affecting the people that aren't the superheroes. But at the same time, I didn't see long term why we were spending time with this character above all the other ones, you know, we've come to know and love in the Arrowverse. Right. And I mean, this this crossover, the spirit of the for those who don't really know, uh, if if you uh, if you're interested in the trade paperback of uh, Crisis, it's got an interesting forward from uh, Marv Wolfman, the writer of the comic who did appear in the that appear was in the show. In, in a, uh, I did not realize at first. Yeah, so I my my I got really excited. I met Marv at the uh 2018 Long Beach Comic Con, and he he was kind of how you would expect uh, at at this year's Comic Expo, which actually last weekend. Uh, people were talking about Jim Starlin being kind of a gruff who killed Jason Todd because he hates hates Robin. But uh, Marv was uh, and well, Marv lived up to anticipations. He was a a, a nice guy, a bit of a crab. Um, after the panel, it was a Sunday afternoon. He was packing up his uh, stand, and I went over to say hello. And he looked like he was uh, trying to get rid of me in the nicest <laughs> way possible. But I got him just got him to smile. I just said, you know, I mean, it, it, it's always fascinating when you're like two feet away from a uh, somebody who's had such an impact on the business. And with Crisis in the forward, he writes a lot about how. Seemingly back in the day, and this is kind of a notion that that seems odd nowadays, but he said that comic book readers tended really not to care about things that happened before they were alive. So the thought process with Crisis was similar, actually, along the lines of what they did with the New 52. The execution's a lot different, but with Crisis, they wanted to condense this really convoluted timeline of the Silver Age of Comics and uh, the Golden Age of Comics to condense it so that new readers didn't need to understand that there was an Earth 2 Superman and there were all these other things. So it was it was meant to uh, condense things, something that the CW kind of also did in the sense that you had uh, uh, the Supergirl taking play and Black Lightning on different Earths, and uh, that's something that they clearly didn't want to do, but you also have it as a way to bookend Oliver Queen's time on on Arrow, and in a lot of ways, it was a celebration of him. And I, I think they kind of took the spirit of Crisis and uh, implemented it in a way that felt very CW. It felt very DC, whatever their television department is officially called. I don't think it's really called anything. Um, the the Guggenheim Productions, yeah, basically, or, or, yeah, the Burton Lamp. Bertinelli verse or something, if you want to include, uh, I, I, I personally like the, uh, DC universe shows a lot. I would have loved more doom patrol or more Titans in it, but I'm glad that they included them. I, I, I also love those shows, uh, more doom patrol than Titans, but Titans, you know, is decent. Um, but I was so thrilled to, in the first episode, just get the sort of recanned footage cameo of, uh, Jason Todd and Hawk just to kind of give a nod to them. But we got a bit more in the Legends episode, which was cool. They even, you know, showed off Swamp Thing, even though they uh, killed that series pretty quickly. Um, and got a look at Stargirl. And I believe they're also showcasing a possible Green Lantern series. Right. Which is interesting because um, I think it was last year in the Elseworlds spinoff, they, uh, Elseworlds crossover, they had mentioned that John Diggle's mother's maiden name was Stuart. And, and um, there had been... 
the um uh I forget the oh. actor's name, the old Flash, he had mentioned John Wesley Ship. Yes. He mentioned to Diggle, Oh, you don't have your ring when he said hi, John. Um, like kind of implying that in another universe he's John Stewart, uh Green Lantern that's also fairly famous. Um uh, that was another sort of disappointment with this crisis. I kind of was hoping they were going to give us John Diggle as Green Lantern somewhere, but at least they threw us that bone. I am amazed that they didn't because it was just right there. And I've always loved Diggle. It's always great when they uh, when when these shows can introduce new characters who who fit so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, aside from his Magneto helmet that he had for a little while in uh, I want to say season four, yeah, I think uh, I've really loved him. That was a terrible helmet, though. Um, uh, he would have. It would have been great. Uh, I did read that there were talks originally. Uh, yeah, with I read Ryan that too. People. Oh, I did not hear that. I, I read that there were at one point Arrowverse talks to make the John Diggle character essentially their John Stewart. Um, but I do think something along the line obviously changed. Yeah, with with Ryan Reynolds, apparently the word on the street is that his people wanted too much money, which kind of doesn't for 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 all we know about how Ryan Reynolds basically singularly willed Deadpool into existence after that horrible <laughs> uh, Wolverine oh my God. Uh, adaptation. Uh, it, it was kind of like, OK, you have a chance to and he actually did revisit the Green Lantern at the end of Deadpool 2, along with mm-hmm. uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Um in a in a funny post credit sequence, but I was kind of amazed that he wouldn't at least do like a a, a cameo. And uh... so, from what I heard, and this was uh, via, um, I think it's Michael Rosenbaum, the actor who played Lex Luthor in Smallville. Um, CW was effectively offering like next to nothing in terms of money, and they weren't exactly. And again, I'm you know this is what he said about it. Um, maybe it doesn't apply to Ryan Reynolds, but I could buy it if it did, that they weren't exactly flexible in terms of scheduling and, again, like no money, and it just didn't make sense for him. Um, clearly, they were able to f- find a way to make it make sense for a lot of the others, including some that I never thought we were going to see. Um, you know, like getting... Lucifer. Yeah, that was who I was about to say. That was a real fun one to get there. Um, but, so it's just I, I could see you know Brian Runs has been fairly busy lately anyway so if they're not paying him anything yeah. true um I I also with Ezra Miller I I read an article that basically said that the president of Warner Brothers essentially willed that into existence and uh that they were the CW people were uh they shot that after the fact using because it was shot on a flash set they yeah, used the flashes looks- people and, um, you know, that was one. Maybe that's why they delayed or not delayed, but they separated, you know, the final two episodes. If, you know, we waited a month to get the Ezra Miller cameo. Hey, that's kind of cool. But I kind of don't think that's the case. And it might have also just been, you know, Warner Brothers way of saying, hey, this Flash character still alive. We still want to make a movie somehow with them. Yeah, and I think I think fan goodwill with the the DC extended universe is uh, ex- whatever whatever the official name for that is is uh, not particularly at an all time high. Although they're writing a couple, uh, I love Shazam. Shazam was great. Uh, Aquaman. Aquaman was Aquaman fun. Aquaman, I gave a, I I did I did 
rotten it, but um, it was it was entertaining. Uh, it it was a little derivative, not not just a little derivative. It was uh, they uh, I, Jason Momoa. I'll always love him. Call Drogo. Uh, he was also on Stargate. Speaking of Vancouver and Stargate, mm-hmm. uh, he was on Stargate Atlantis for the uh, for, uh, seasons two through five. Uh, but I, I I think it was a smart smart thing to to get him in there and also to just say yes we care about i've spent all week kind of working on the fact that uh you know the the connectedness of of that film universe has been played down and yet dc i mean dc has really nothing but hits on a on a tv front which is really a far cry from uh what uh Marvel is uh, hoping to kind of fix that with Disney Plus, but uh, they love to cancel shows that really aren't that bad. Runaways was was pretty good. Uh, Cloak and Dagger loved the first season. Second season was a stinker. Uh, and then those Netflix shows. Legion get, was a trip. Uh, yes, and that was uh, not MCU, but it was Marvel Television, and uh, that was definitely one where they could have instantly like made it MCU with with a trip. I. Uh, yeah, that was that was wild. Uh, I I really liked the final season, and I got to watch uh, I got to watch that early, and it was a lot of episodes like right in a row, and I'm like, this is absolutely insane, and uh, really loved that. Uh, with 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 Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, I I think that the 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 time difference between uh, doing the three episodes in December and then the two episodes in uh, this uh, in this week was something that i mean i i get it you've got five production crews that can't just stop and start whenever you want and you don't have the money to do that anyway these are working on somewhat tight budgets you also have the case where legends is a show that just started their season versus arrow which i mean it is weird that arrow i it, it makes sense that arrow didn't end on a crossover and yet now we have two more episodes one is a backdoor pilot Green Arrow and the Canaries, dumb title, and uh, the final episodes. So that's also weird. I think pretty the much any way you always look seem at to it. land on Arrow weirdly. Like you remember during the invasion crossover, uh, had Arrow's like hundredth episode at the same time too. It's, uh, Arrow always seems to get sort of the short end there. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that, I guess maybe they can get away with that because it's the um, it's the parent show that started all of this i mean who would have thought just just uh, to get a little retrospective that first season of arrow was so dark there's so much killing uh which i didn't hate it was refreshing but uh to see them from that to this you know doing the uh the justice hall uh hall of justice not the justice hall doing the hall of justice in that warehouse uh them all just sitting around thinking like you know who would have thought eight years later that this is where they'd end up? Oh, I mean, even during, you know, the flash came, I want to say two or three years after the first start of arrow and, you know, they teased crisis, but it was one of those things where you never thought they were actually going to do it, let alone do it so faithfully. And I know they deviated, you know, pretty hard from the basic structure, but I mean, it's still worlds basically being destroyed by the monitor. And it was just, you know, incredible to see some of these things brought to life that really are just bonkers and wacky and you think you know why would anybody spend money to put this on tv that makes me think a lot about how they so 
Brandon Routh has played Ray Palmer since I want to say season two of the of Arrow, so he's been involved in this in a, for a really really long time. And before that, he was uh, Superman in the ill-fated, I want to say 2006 Superman Returns, which uh, has the forever creepy uh, Kevin Spacey, whose career has been reduced to really cryptic Christmas Eve messages Whoa. two years in a row. <laughs> Weird, weird, weirdest holiday tradition ever. Yeah, it's like your creepy <laughs> uncle getting um, drunk or something. <laughs> so you take you take Brandon Routh, and uh, I mean he's a really charming guy. I really like I really like him, uh, and I've always loved Ray Palmer. It, it makes sense that the actor's also done Hallmark movies. He's got this bubbly charisma that you just. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like if I met him in real life, I'd want to give him a hug. Uh, and I, you, you know, you probably don't think that for a lot of celebrities, mostly because most of them would probably just push you away. But he seems like the kind of guy that would love that. And then they find a way to say, hey, we know you're Ray Palmer, but we're going to have you play Superman and we're going to do Kingdom Come, which is something that talk about demographic. I mean, the C, the the Arrowverse has been able to do all this really uh, nifty stuff that pays homage to the uh, comic book series. This is a this is a network that is known for Gossip Girl and the Vampire Diaries and all this other fluff. I mean, you're talking about your target demographic. It's it's strange, but it's also kind of beautiful in a weird way. Yeah, and you know, you bring up Brandon Roth getting to play Superman again. They they found a way to give some, you know, happy endings like to that story, not really a story. I mean, it was pretty sort of sad, you know, that movie flopped and then his career basically went back to TV and he landed on his feet clearly, but now he gets to triumphantly return. And that was pretty great. Um, you know, brought back the birds of prey, which what it only like nine episodes or something of that ever air. Um, and some of the other ones, like some of the ones I even missed, like I didn't realize that was Robert wool at the beginning of episode one, um, from Batman 1989, the, uh, one with Jack Nicholas and just, it, it was really, I keep saying it's fun, but it, it was true that, you know, despite its faults and pacing issues, I was having a blast the entire time watching it. I'd also just one final note on uh, Brandon Routh. I, Ed probably doesn't want to hear this, but I made a I made a dirty joke on Twitter where I said, now we know why I for whatever reason, I actually uh, with a bunch of uh, comic book nerds at a uh, brunch was just talking about how attractive i found him with the with the white hair as the kingdom come superman and then i said well, now i know why we call him kingdom come ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um no if brandon roth is lucky he'll uh get gray hair as he ages because yeah he was you know he was a handsome man there so yeah and i i guess maybe it's the fact that he's kind of wholesome um Although I mean, the flip side—you take a character like uh, Mick Rory and his uh, his his romance career is is really one of the it, it. It's something that would really only work on Legends. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I like that. I mean, they've taken him from basically a criminal and a murderer to he's essentially the comic relief of that show. A lot of times, well, a lot of characters are on that show. Yeah, they take I. I I mean, Legends, when it first premiered, I was way more familiar with the uh, Arrow than the Flash. And it seems like they kind of uh, use the Flash more to launch that. And it follows the Flash's uh, tempo a lot. But uh, Rory was a bad dude in the first season. Not a not a oh, good yeah. guy. And Leonard Snart, 
Well, I mean, Leonard Snart always kind of had the, you know, is he really that bad of a guy? And his sister also. Um, I guess I would have loved to. I mean, they're the two. They were on prison break together. So to see them, uh, those are also two guys whose career Wentworth Miller and uh, we're getting uh, Dominic Purcell. Um, their uh, their careers were on an upward trend and then uh, prison break kind of cratered. Uh, that's a show that probably should have ended after a season, but they continued yeah. <laughs> that. And to see them together was uh was was really special and i hope we get to see snart before again before it's all said and done yeah i think when miller you know essentially left the door i mean he came back voice wise for this but he sort of left the door open for you know potentially down the line um returning i do hope we see him because his leonard starts pretty great and the interaction between the two is still they still got the chemistry there i mean um for all its problems in season one that scene where rory says goodbye to Mick without, uh, or I'm sorry, Rory says goodbye to Snart without Snart realizing because he's the past version of himself. I mean, I remember I was crying watching it. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, w- one thing that I've really, uh, it's kind of become a running joke because, uh, I was at a party last month where the subject of, uh, I, I had spent about an hour because I I had been rewatch I'd been watching Arrow where they brought Sarah back with the Lazarus Pit and Jason Todd's always been a fascination of mine and he was involved with the Lazarus Pit and I had spent about an hour explaining to my partner what a Lazarus Pit was and in Crisis we got Lazarus Pits again and I brought up uh, that uh, I was at a panel this weekend uh, with the DC co-publisher. Something I think his last name is like DePio or something. Jerry DePio, maybe. Um, and I brought up Lazarus Pit, and he just looked like he wanted to get off of that subject so quickly. And I wanted to say, like, what is the DC's universe's uh, fascination with these m- mythical pits? And do you think there's any in real life? <laughs> well, it does seem to be sort of their, you know, get out of jail card or a big undo button that, uh, as well as the Speed Force for the Flash. Um, I mean, I know it's versatile in the comics, but that seems to be frequently their answer for everything. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I could go back and forth and I thought, you know, okay, they're going to bring Ollie to the Lazarus pit. Okay. Yeah. You know, you got to give Stephen Armel his big goodbye. Um, but oh, we haven't even touched that he became the specter. That's what I hope to see eventually, you know, him return at one point as the specter. Yeah, that was because so in the comics, uh, the Earth 2 Superman, who also kind of has the gray tip, but um, he and uh, Superboy and Lois and uh, is it Alexander Luther? He's the Earth 3 yeah. uh, Lex, basically. Yeah, so they get sent to like this quote unquote paradise. Uh, Crisis doesn't really touch on it, but it, it I think it, it, it it's really shown to be more of a prison. Um, they get to go to that after and to have to have uh, Oliver and this be the specter uh, makes sense not to send him to kind of a uh, weird, happy. end. I mean, it's better than saw... killing him off and leaving, you know, the Lazarus piss as the only way to bring him back if he ever wanted to or ghost. Well, yeah, and it's, it's satisfying. Yeah, it's a better way. Uh, I think they handled that a lot better than uh, there's a lot of parallels. There's that deleted scene in Avengers Endgame where Tony Stark was seeing uh, Hannah Baker from 13 Reasons Why, his grown daughter. And it was weird and really a horrible, cringeworthy scene. 
And uh, I was hoping that they – I went into Crisis hoping that that wasn't going to be what they did with Oliver to kind of leave the door open. And it was it was satisfying because an audience and, – and Crisis, the, the series was uh, – the crossover was able to uh, acknowledge this. Kara and uh, Barry were the two sort of marquee names who were, were, were killed in Crisis. And you can't do that in this or else the, the, it's not going to be um, – you know, Cisco is not going to become the Flash. They're not going to. They mentioned Wally West, which I was happy about. He kind of disappeared. The, I know there were. I know the actor. Uh, he, I believe, he came out after um, he sort of had been off the show, and they shuffled him off to Legends, which was fun for a while. But the Arrowverse's sort of, you know, inability to utilize Wally West well has been one of my biggest beefs with it ever. But um. Yeah, I kind of had hoped he would, you know, pop in there at some point or if they would have used the uh, crisis to sort of reset it and introduce a new actor as Wally West would have been nice too, um, to sort of continue the character because it doesn't seem like the current actor has any interest in returning to it. And I'm not. Do you wish that? I was going to say, I'm not trying to pronounce his name because I know I'm going to screw that up. Yeah, do you do you wish that the death count in the TV crossover had been higher? Um, no, because I feel like a lot of ways they would um, undo it eventually, which I know in comic books, you know, characters die and come back all the time. But I, I did want some permanence to some of this stuff. Um, also, I mean, if the ones that they were going to kill, they I thought they did do a good job of it. I mean, we knew Ollie was going to die and... We got two deaths from. I thought the second death was really well done, um, but I wasn't too upset about the lack of a high body count. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would have liked uh, an opportunity to have seen uh, Kingdom Come Superman in the final two episodes, kind of regardless of what happens. We left that fate kind of ambiguous. Um but yeah, there, there. Uh, the TV show does need uh, a greater sense of finality. Something that I think it was the invasion storyline that killed Martin Stein. Uh, or was it the one? I think it's that? Crisis on Earth X that killed him. Okay, yeah, I got my mixed up. My yeah, it was Crisis on Earth X. Invasion was the first Legends crossover, right? And then they. If did. you don't include the one where they basically made the Legends, yeah. Right, and then they weren't in elsewhere. Okay, now we've got our, our our crossover. Although they did have, I think maybe my favorite line in all of Legends was when they board the Wave Rider and uh, they hear that they had missed calls from Barry Allen, Kara uh, Zor-El, and uh, Oliver Queen. And uh, Ray looks and says, that sounds like the annual crossover. Yeah, and then they're both like, no, not getting involved in that this time. Uh Led, uh, like I said before, I could watch, you know, a whole episode of basically the Legends cracking jokes about the crossovers. Yeah, and I, I, I like how Crisis, it, it set up a lot of things that, you know, we we didn't see the DCU characters, but, I mean, maybe a future crossover could do, I mean, kind of the beautiful thing about this one was, uh, it, it felt like, it felt like they were aiming for a magnitude that they probably are not going to try and repeat. I, I read in one of the preview articles about how uh, the the main reason that the legends weren't in the last crossover was because they were putting Batwoman in and they, it was just 
too difficult to coordinate over the shows. They really didn't want to do, they just wanted to keep it to the three shows and not do five, which, so I think this is really something that's going to be done once. Yeah, I, um, I think I, I read something that they said, you know, they're planning the next crossover already, but it's going to be smaller in scope. Um, and I'm really okay with that. I mean, Crisis is one of the most famous, if not the most famous DC crossovers. You know, it should have that sort of gravitas. And although I don't want them to stop doing crossovers, especially with Arrow ending, I don't think they need to go this big anytime soon in the future. Yeah, and I, I, I also liked how the, the, the Batwoman episode in particular was really just specifically the crossover. Um, I like Batwoman, but uh, it's a, I mean, all these, all these Arrowverse shows have kind of been... I think actually, though, The Flash had had the most rock solid of the first seasons of any of them. But uh, Batwoman has had a bumps. Uh, it's really a bit too centric on the Kane family, which I guess is somewhat fitting with the comics. But at the same time, this is kind of our modern Gotham. And, well, there was Gotham, but this is our, our caped person. And we are just focusing on a family drama. And I know she was in the fight scenes, but it did not seem like Kate had much to do in the last two episodes. Um, there was she was sort of inserted weirdly into an old Arrow episode, but I, I felt like they could have utilized her a bit more. Yeah, especially the first uh, couple episodes, they'd really hyped up her relationship with Kara. And I don't really think they, uh, aside from the opening of Arrow, I don't think they shared any scenes together, really. Yeah, I think they got, like, one more scene and maybe, like, another couple lines together. But it, it felt like a missed opportunity there. She did uh, She did put her wig on for a fight, though. I mean, I, I hate that hair. I think it looks idiotic. <laughs> I, and, eh. Yeah, I don't get it. There are a lot of times, specifically when I'm reading... Uh, Especially the Ms. Marvel outfit and the Batgirl outfit. Sometimes you read that and say, whoever's drawing this has never seen a female body. Like, this is just, like, absurd. And I see that wig and it's just like, are there any male characters who run around with that idiotic hair like that? Like, this, who put that on? Like, no, it, I mean, it's kind of like, I with the with the Supergirl, with the costume change, I think a lot of people are annoyed that she doesn't have the skirt anymore. But her costume now looks a hell of a lot more practical. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't get that wig either, but, I mean, I guess because she's got the short hair as Kate Kane, that's to throw people off? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hoping that the show can kind of uh, work out its kinks, and, um, I mean, they're also, they're pitching, um, we, we've talked a lot about Superman, uh, Kingdom Come Superman, but there's also, I call him Seventh Heaven Superman, because Tyler Hoechlin was uh, in, in that show, and, uh, He's kind of a weird choice for Clark Kent. He's not particularly buff. Uh, that was kind of exacerbated by um, also the appearance of Tom Welling, who uh, still is still looking pretty good. I don't really know what he's up to. I don't I see him in much. Him but, uh, apparently, I read this also, apparently he did have limited uh, availability for scheduling. And I'm like, the big question I'm wondering is why. <laughs> um, maybe it was like I mentioned earlier that the fact that they had limited windows on certain things and maybe, you know, his availability compared to that made it even worse. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, uh, I guess, I guess that makes some sense. I, John Cryer really was a, was a standout MVP. Uh, I think of crisis. I really, really liked his Lex Luthor and I thought he, he 
fit really well with uh with all the various juggling pieces of this massive crossover completely agree uh he was fantastic in the role um he does make a claim to one of the better actors to play lex luther i mean you know gene hackman's luther's still great but uh John Cryer certainly is going to give him a run for his money there. And I hope we see more of him if he ends up being in the uh, Superman and Lois show. Yeah. And I'm also really glad that uh, we've talked a lot about um, the people who are in the crossover, but I'm really glad that Dean Kane wasn't. Fuck Dean Kane. What an <laughs> asshole. He's a horrible guy. <laughs> yeah. I guess they didn't touch Lois and Clark, but given that they're having a new show coming out, and yeah, Dean Kane sucked. He has been in Supergirl. I, I also wanted to say that um, it, it's a bummer along the same lines as Ryan Reynolds not uh, reprising his role. I know Nick Nicholas Cage has had a lot of uh, financial troubles, so maybe he wanted too much money. I, I think he missed an opportunity of a lifetime to finally play Superman. That would have just been something. Oh, else. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, that could have been really fun if they had tried to do that. Um, I don't know, but. You know, it, it sounds like they definitely did their due diligence and at least made attempts, you know, that we might not even like leak the super monkey or whatever at the end. Like they really found a way to yeah. make basically the super friends almost canon there. They did. It was it was it was really, really fun. I did read that they did reach out to Nicolas Cage's people. And I, I also want to say that I think in the month in between the two that they were holding out hope that there was a possibility they can maybe get him in. Oh. And I even even last week I was hyping that one other thing that I, I wanted to see potentially happen was for. And they they didn't show the Titans uh, Earth much, but I really would have loved uh, as a result of of the shrinking Earth if uh, we could have had uh, Tim Drake and Damian Wayne and maybe also Stephanie Brown be transported into uh, the Titans universe and have it evolve into a family drama where Dick Grayson has to raise all of these foster kids in addition <laughs> to uh, Jason Raven and uh, Gar. Yeah, that could have been fun. I think uh, I was glad they showed those, but I was also glad they kind of kept them on their separate earths so they can, you know, do their own thing. Yeah, I I mean, there's only... We talk about how well the pacing worked. I, I think that makes sense in a lot of ways that uh, they kept their cross... Like, Birds of Prey, they had a nice little throwback to that, but that was, what, like, uh, 10 seconds of the Huntress running on a building? That's not really... Uh, much of an epilogue, and yet it's a good... Um, that show aired on the WB. Uh, I had the DVD from a while ago, and that was, like, back in back in the day when, really, TV was, like, a way to kind of uh, wet, wet your tongue in terms of superhero engagement. Now, like, now, now there's just so much content that, uh, you know, you, you really do get to see a lot of these team-ups that you've always been waiting for, but... Birds of Prey aired at a time when it was so, so much more limited in scope and uh, for them to be able to return to that. It was canceled because it was too expensive. The ratings didn't justify it. It didn't get much of a chance, but um, something that Smallville didn't have a problem with, though. Yeah, but it shares it in common with Swamp Thing, it sounds like. So, um, yeah, it, it's weird. I got it. You go like, you know, back when Birds of Prey aired or back even when Smallville was on, really even the first season of Arrow, like, you sort of were watching these with the understanding that they're not going to go full comic book. They're going to sort of keep it more um, reined in in the scope. And 
that did not become the case. And that certainly wasn't the case with this crossover. No, and I really love, um, I love how Arrow in particular, it seemed as though they were really just doing big plot line after big plot line for a while. They had Deathstroke, they had Deadshot, they had, you know, they had, uh, it, it was, I was sad when uh, Deadshot kind of died uh, unceremoniously in, um, he just didn't want to jump off a building uh, in, in Arrow, but uh, that was due to them, uh, wanting to vacate the character for Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. which is that maybe the worst well. superhero movie ever made. I, I, I think maybe Superman 3 or Suicide Squad. Yeah, you could be right on one of those. I saw Suicide Squad for free and I still regretted it. I watched it three times, twice on a plane, once in a theater. Two of them, I was immensely, I was drunk, uh, very drunk for one with a lot of edibles and the other with a lot of edibles. And I, I hated it. I was, I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Three times too many to see it. Um, I will see the new James Gunn one, but that the original one there was awful. I wanted Killer Croc to be like this great guy. I love the character. I love a lot of those characters. I have a lot of the comics. I love, uh, I think it's a really fun fun series and uh what a dud that was and it's not a sh- i mean it would have been really cool to get margot robbie's harley quinn in there but uh a fat chance of that happening yeah um didn't think that was gonna happen uh, uh you know i guess i sort of could have expected maybe some of the smaller actors or characters to make an appearance but at the same time i would not have wanted to sacrifice any of the time with the Arrowverse people or any of the other cameos we did get for that yeah, they did, because, I mean, this this was sort of the swan song for, for Oliver Queen, his uh, his retrospective eight, eight, eight seasons in. It's, uh, it's remarkable. I mean, the CW tends not to cancel anything, so maybe that will be, like, less remarkable in 10 years when uh, The Flash is in its 25th season or something. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it hit really all the all all the right notes and uh in rereading the comic it's just such a dense thing that you're sort of sitting there thinking like how is this how's the arrowverse ever gonna do this and they they took it i think the best comic book adapt i think the best way to adapt comics is not to try and recreate them but to to get the general spirit and to try and uh, apply that in a way that makes sense for uh, a narrative that's operating with a limited run. Agreed. And I think they did that really well here in terms of, you know, they used the characters they had already established and they had on hands and sort of inserted them into the different beats of the crisis story where they fit. Um, but then, you know, when they didn't have characters to work that where they fit, um, they didn't bother with it. Uh, there's a number of stuff in crisis, like, uh, the Alexander Luther character that we didn't really get. We got Lex, but, um, it's a different character in the comics and, you know, they didn't bother with any of his storylines from the crisis, um, because there was a whole bunch of stuff going on with him. And I was really glad for that. I was glad they sort of tried to at least keep it mostly focused. Yeah. It feels like a lot of, especially the early issues feel like, uh, they're just, off doing their own thing and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, how does this relate to like a broader crossover of the uh, DC uh, of, of the universe? And then you have characters who who's kind of go away at the end of that, 
end of the uh, issue and you're thinking, you know, why do we spend all this time with the people? Especially some of those are double issues. It's a really long comic. Yeah. Uh, but. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you're right. I mean, I want to say like most of them were like 42 pages each. Yeah. And you're just sitting there like I, I there were a couple of times where I'd be uh, well, I, I'd say like, oh, I'm going to read an issue and then I'm going to go back to work. And then it's like, OK, it's like you know, I've been reading this for an hour. When's it going to end? Uh <laughs> Not, not, that, not that, that, not that, that's like a bad thing. I mean, you, you take Marv Wolfman, Mar, Marv Wolfman, and George Perez, two of the greatest uh, minds in comics, and uh, this is the, this is the arc that, you know, for better or for worse, and I think in a, a recent years with stuff like War of the Realms, uh, worse is is kind of coming to mind, but. This was the first like mega crossover that really started it all. I mean, yes, Secret Wars, Secret Wars, I think, beat it to publication. But this had been in conception before Secret Wars. Um, Marvel was essentially trying to get ahead of DC with Secret Wars. But yeah, you know, you look at it and there wasn't really anything like it before in comics. And I, I, I always, I spend most of, uh, most of my writing is on, uh, film criticism and stuff where you get like a 90 minute or a hundred, uh, 90 minute or a hundred minute. Yeah. That's a big difference of those two. Uh, you get this narrative. That's this sort of, uh, slice of somebody's life. And then that's it. Comic books are perpetual. You can't give people happy endings because, uh, they need to have another, there, there's another, uh, you got to put out another book in the, the following month. And, yeah, with these with these with these crossovers, uh, you want to see in comic books, the sky's the limit. You can't always get these big name actors to do things. Comics, you can put people in as long as they're within your own uh, within your own. You can't you can't put uh, Wolverine into a crisis unless you want to be sued. But you there's all these opportunities. And uh, I've always loved that. It's always why I'll go back to comics. And I, I love reading them for the sense of wonder that this such an old, uh, such an age old uh, medium. My grandfather, who's a uh, he's a deacon in the Catholic Church, a fairly uh, old fashioned kind of guy, loves military history and stuff. He grew up reading Captain Marvel back when it was uh, Shazam. Or back when Shazam was Captain Marvel, and uh, I tricked him into watching the new Shazam movie. I told him it was great. Well, it was great, but I knew that he wouldn't like it, and he recorded it. And uh, he sent he called me up, and there were a lot of expletives about how uh, that movie was stupid. Uh, he clearly didn't like Zachary Levy, but that just kind of shows the span of uh, these characters and how they've meant so much. And it's interesting that to, when I when I first read that Marv said that uh, that. Co- that people didn't care about what came before because in terms of comics people always talk about uh, declining numbers declining sales comic book readers tend to be really passionate people who are, are really interested in the history and i think nowadays there are a lot of people who care about what came before and reading the old stuff and understanding the fact that these characters it, it's like you're a part of something bigger than yeah, yourself and i mean you know it, it, i'm gonna sound old but back when crisis came out and like 85 i believe you know the internet wasn't really a thing so uh, there was no way to catch up on stuff i remember when i was a kid and like you know it reading uh, copies of the flash and it would reference stuff from the crisis and i was all like oh you know all i knew there was that barry allen died in the crisis for a while 
now with the internet, you know, you can literally find the issues and read them, which is nice. But at the same time, it, it does give you a sense that, you know, there's something that came before, there's something that's going to come after. And that's a nice, you know, sensation. Yeah, I think I, I think comics really uh, we talk about people uh, in this uh, social media age feeling isolated and all of that. Comics brings people together. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I say that coming off the high of a, a comic book convention where you can like walk in a place and there are people. You can turn around every corner and there are Lazarus Pit people to talk <laughs> about, talk with about Lazarus Pit. Um. So as we as we uh, as we sort of hit uh, as we wind down this uh, episode, I wanted to ask uh, what your favorite crisis moment was, what your least favorite moment was and something that you would have liked to have seen throwing a bunch of uh, big questions at you all at once. Everybody loves when you do that. (laughs) Um, Favorite moment might be some recency bias, but seeing Ezra Miller was crazy. Um, I did not watch the show live. I actually watched it last night on the app, but I managed to avoid being spoiled on that. And that was, you know, that's literally the shoot for the moon stuff that I I didn't think they were going to get. And so that was a lot of fun to see. And it was also a lot of fun um, to see Brandon Roth as Superman again. That was also definitely a highlight. Um, Didn't work for me. Some of the slower character bits um, in particular, there were a few scenes with uh, in the Legends episode where, you know, they're trying to find Ali again and they just kind of can't accept that he's dying. Also, earlier on, um, you know, where was Mia Smoke for the rest of the episodes uh, four and five? Oh, yeah. It, 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 That's a good point. We haven't even talked yeah, about Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get to five hours and what we've been an hour or so, but. Yeah, it, it didn't always make sense to me which characters were in the situations they were. Um, Ryan Choi, although I thought the actor did a great job and had some fun lines, I don't understand why they chose now to introduce him. Um, but overall, you know, it, it, there were, the positives far outweighed the negatives for me. You know, I think with regard to Mia, the uh, so so the the next episode of Arrow will be really a backdoor pilot which uh for those of you who don't know what that means uh, a backdoor pilot is typically when you have a show that's a spinoff you air an episode uh like if you've seen titan season one the doom patrol episode is essentially a backdoor pilot where you take a set flash had a backdoor pilot um legends essentially was almost a backdoor pilot via the crossovers as well yeah and it's a way to uh season nine of the office the episode the farm with uh dwight schrute uh, and his relatives, that was a backdoor pilot. So it's, essentially it's a cheap way. Pilots are expensive. And in this uh, day and age, uh, there's fewer pilots ordered. There used to be like dozens of them ordered and a lot of them would be canceled and not, or not picked up. Uh, so yeah, it, a back, a backdoor Grey's Anatomy did that with private practice too. I mean, it could go on and on. Uh, that's just essentially a, a cheap way to, uh, do a test run also. Cause it's also a way to, uh, get a sample size for how a show is going to do, because if you have an episode that's focusing all on new characters and everybody turns it off, that's probably not a good sign. Although maybe that's, um, yeah. Going real old, like golden girls. I don't know if you've ever watched the show, but oh, they had a I'm... backdoor pilot for empty nest. But I guess then when empty nest actually aired, they basically changed all the characters. Yeah. I don't think you're allowed to be in the LGBTQ community and not watch the golden girls. <laughs> Um, 
So that's that's what a backdoor pilot was. And so that that I guess airs next week. So maybe Mia was filming that, maybe not, but you're right. It does it, it's odd that she's going to get her own show and they didn't use any of the last two episodes to uh really drive that point home and that show's not going to be back till the fall at the earliest. So uh yeah, definitely a missed opportunity there, I would say. Yeah, it seems like, you know, they left a lot for the respective shows to sort of pick up. So we're sort of grading incomplete, something that's incomplete. But at the same time, you know, this is what they decided the crossover was. So it, it just some curious choices that might make more sense later. So what would you have liked to have seen? Or I guess the better question, uh, what's a cameo that you would have just your dream cameo that you would have loved to have in it? Since we got Ezra Miller, it would have been nice if we could have seen um, Ray Fisher Cyborg or some sort of connection to Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go beyond, you know, Marv Wolfman himself. Um, but I, I there weren't any cameos that I was, you know, holding my hands out for. Um, I guess Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. You know, I would have loved to have seen him as Green Lantern or I would have loved to have seen John Diggle become a Green Lantern of some sort. Okay, so for mine, I mean, I Ezra Miller was was a jaw dropping moment. But uh, when they showed Earth six six six, which also had a in the corner of the shot of Earth six 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 was a billboard for Watchmen, so that was really cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> when I saw, I, I I haven't really watched much of Lucifer at all. I I, I only knew I, I knew it basically through its reputation. It's it's fervent fan base. The fan, Lucifer fans really really love that show. When they showed Earth 666, I got really excited because I thought that was just wild to take a show that was originally on uh, Fox and then Netflix. And we're, 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 there's been a lot of retrospectives lately about the decline of the, the Netflix MCU, what a disaster that was and what a waste of casting. Although it looks like we'll see uh, we, we could see uh, Daredevil, uh, Luke Cage and uh, Jessica Jones later on. There's been talk that either uh, that Charlie Cox could be Spider-Man the lawyer in Spider-Man 3. I would love to see him in that. That'd be fun. Yeah, or uh, the the other big name for that would be possibly to do uh, Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, which I would love. But um, so I would say Lucifer, that was a really cool way. And I loved uh, John Constantine. I, I just love him. I think he's uh, Matt Ryan. Is, oh, he's a delight. Yeah, he's just so perfect in uh, every one of the... And he... he the the best part about uh, uh, these shows is how fun, how, how much fun it looks like the actors are having. And Matt Ryan just, yeah, really, he's just such a. He always looks like he's having a blast. Yeah, I just I, I loved that. Um, least favorite part, uh, probably, uh, probably the, the 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 big fight at the end. They can fall kind of flat. That's just kind of. Yeah, that's just, they got to have them, but sometimes they don't. Yeah, it's it's I, a lot of them look the same. As soon as laser beams are all flying in a hundred different, you got the also you had the some characters were shooting a gun and other people are like shooting lasers out of their eyes and it's like I, I started to think about the scene in Anchorman where Brick's uh, walking around with the grenade <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is uh, I don't know, that's just kind of that's the, the way these are going to be designed and uh, dream cameo yeah. that I would have liked. Uh, I, I guess I probably didn't think it would happen, but I know that Val Kilmer does a lot of like really shitty indie movies and stuff. So I thought to throw him in there would have been pretty hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I've also heard he's kind of a huge 
asshole. So maybe not surprising that they didn't try for him. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that. Um, my uh, one of my professors in grad school was at a was at a like uh, she's at a play and Val Kilmer was there and she was just fawning over him. And then one of my friends, there was a poster for some show he was doing in L.A. And one of my friends uh, stole the poster and gave it to her because she was fawning over Val Kilmer. So he I, I, I you know, actually, that's probably a reason. I don't think Iceman's going to be in the new Top Gun. Maybe that's why they didn't want to deal with him. Uh, but he's, uh, Could be. he's, he's certainly, uh, I always, the, the, we, d- we actually, this podcast, if you guys, uh, want to hear more about superheroes, we did a Batman and Robin episode for pride month of all, because Batman and Robin are canonically gay in that. Not really, but they basically are, uh, that, that fight over poison <laughs> Ivy was not really all that believable. Uh, although that's Clooney Batman, not Val Kilmer, but I, I love all of those, uh, that would have been cool. Nicolas Cage would have been cool, but it was. They get an A plus for cameos, I would say, and they get an A plus for uh, yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, it's hard to complain about the cameos they did get. Um, you know, and credit to them, they hyped it up as a big crossover, but they did not necessarily. You know, they hyped up some of the cameos for sure, but. They kept a lot close to their chest and their pockets. Like they didn't advertise the Lucifer cameo. Um, I don't think they advertised like the Will Wheaton random cameo. There was a few others that they they did not advertise at all. And it, it, to their credit, you know, it made for really fun reveals. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree. And then just one one final uh, the Doom Patrol dancing was uh, was great. Always good to let them have their uh, yeah. let them have their piece. So um, I think that. Uh, you know, that we could go talking on for uh, another few hours on this. But I think I think we covered a lot of ground here. I think that uh, was really, really a special, uh, really special event. Yeah, um, you know, it, it certainly made keeping up with the Flash, you know, especially in some of these more recent seasons, which have been rough, worth it, um, given that it's sort of been building up to crisis all along. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that as, as good a place as any as any to stop. Uh, uh ed i wanted to uh thank you so much for coming on i i really uh this was kind of a last minute plan you actually on twitter uh someone inspired us asking if i was going to do one and then i was like well maybe i should and then uh thankfully (laughs) in all of this uh pre-sundance prep uh found time to uh talk about what really matters superheroes yeah thanks for having me on i appreciate it i got to you know geek out with somebody about it so that's cool to everybody listening, uh, thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you uh, next time we dive into the world of uh, comic books and superheroes. Uh, hopefully got some uh, exciting new uh, episodes planned on that front, so uh, we'll see you next time.